Praise you, Lord. We're going to be going into, again, into the Old Testament and into the New Testament. We've been doing that for quite some time now, many, many weeks. And just um, remember that Paul was showing them through the old scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And so there's so much that's said in the Old Testament. We've been working primarily with David and uh, his Psalms, the prophetic words that he had, which are just, just amaze me how that he could know something beyond his time. How he could know, I don't know what he was seeing. I do know where he was getting it from. But it was the Lord that was was speaking to him about himself. And so we're going to look at some of that again this morning. Um, I'm going to talk about a subject that we've talked about many times and many of our preachers have. I just felt like going here again because this is a connection of the old and the new. I want to talk about sacrifice and offering or obedience. Maybe it's sacrifice and offering versus obedience. And so let's go to the scripture and uh, then we're going to read and pray. 40th Psalm in the 6th verse. Psalm 40 and the 6th verse down through through the 10th, I think, and uh, we'll stop there. Again, a psalm of David to the chief musician. Like what Rodney said this morning, we've been singing these songs for, or the church has, for thousands of years. David wrote these psalms as songs, but they are just prophetic prophetic songs. And so the 40th Psalm in the sixth verse, sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears hast thou opened now. Burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required. Now you have to remember that David is in an old covenant here. It seems like that he is out of place. But he said, you've opened my ears to something. I'm seeing, I'm hearing something different. And then the seventh verse, and lo said I, or then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have refrained, not refrained my lips, O Lord, thou knowest. I have not hid thy righteousness from within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. I wonder what he means by the great congregation there. I don't think we're just talking about Israel. An old covenant, I think. Prophetically, he's speaking into the future. 
the congregation that God would put together, I will build me my church. So now I want to go to the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and we're going to see this parallel of what David said. And then the writer in Hebrews will will give us a explanation of those things in New Testament light. David heard something. And now let's look at it in the fourth verse. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. For this reason, coming into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as to sins. Then I said, Lo, I come in the heading of the book. It was written concerning me to do your will, O God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, your servant this morning, scribe in the kingdom. We take from the old, we take from the new. We see how that it is accomplished in the New Testament. And how that it... It concerns us. And so, Lord, I pray that our hearts will just be open to it. Lord, administer to our lives today. And as we're done today, you'll just put hope and faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And I pray that, that our faith will just be challenged within us. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. If we're not careful, sometimes we'll get into a certain flow of our Christian life. And... Sometimes the Lord has to kind of challenge us, challenge us in our faith. You want to be challenged in your faith continually, off and on. You need to be challenged that the Lord just open up some new things and, and, and some old things that are resurrected in our life. <clears throat> surely the prophet David, surely the prophet David knew the men of God in the past in his Jewish history. First thing that, that they began when a little child, Hebrew child was born, began to teach them the things of God. Begin to teach them the law, teach them, teach them Moses, teach them the creation story. And so they begin to school them. And, you know, early America did the same thing. I, I don't know if you're aware of that, but Early America taught the Bible. That's where you learned to read and to write, was the Bible. And they taught the Bible, of course. They, they separated church and state, and, uh, you know, that, that thing's going on. You can't, you can't bring the Bible uh, up, you know, in class anymore, but you can, you can bring up satanic stuff. Oh, yeah, I heard that there's a school. I forget where it was, but K... K uh, uh, informed me that she had seen that that there's a school that's going to begin to teach satanic uh, doctrine and use the satanic Bible for the children. Isn't that beautiful? You can't do that with the Bible. But early America, early Jewish life for David was that he learned about what happened in the past from the experiences and examples that were in the Scripture and that they read. So I want to kind of look at a few examples here of sacrifice and offering or 
was it obedience? So the first recorded is going to have to be the first sacrifice of Adam's sons, Cain and Abel. Now the scripture said, and it came to pass, or the time passed until they came to a place where, and it doesn't record Adam and Eve bringing a sacrifice, it only records the boys. And so uh, there's a reason for this, was Adam, Adam and Eve, were they sacrificing? Oh yes, I believe that they were. We don't have it in scripture and can't prove that, but I believe they taught their boys to bring sacrifice to the Lord. Now one commentator said, that maybe this was the time of the anniversary of the fall when they were removed from the garden and taught their children about that and it was time to bring sacrifice unto the Lord. I think that makes sense, that they would sacrifice on the day uh, that it seemed like everything fell apart for them, that they would sacrifice unto the Lord. Here comes these two boys. Now I'm going to have to say, they were probably grown boys, not little boys. They, one was a tiller of the field, Cain, and, and so that takes a man. That's a man's job. The other one was a shepherd, and he was a man too. And so these young men are going to bring sacrifice on this day unto the Lord. And you know the story that Cain brought of the field. He brought the grain of the field. Now, I don't know uh, if he ground it up and made bread out of that or not but it did represent the grain did represent that the the bread and so he this is what he brought he brought this sacrifice unto God now let me say this he knew better he knew better than to do this he had been taught right now Abel on the other hand Abel is a tiller of the sheep and he will bring his select best sheep unto the Lord and it said that he brought the, the, the fat thereof, and so represents the blood. He bled that little animal out. And if you read this, and, and again, go into the commentaries where they, uh, they expose that not only did he bring of the, the firstlings of his flock, but also he brought of the grain. Now you have a picture of what the real sacrifice in the Old Testament was about. Remember Melchizedek. What did Melchizedek bring out? The blood and the or the bread, bread and the wine, or the blood and the body. And so the first sacrifice was intended the same way. This was a representation of what was to come. And so Cain does not bring. He only brings half. He doesn't. He doesn't bring the blood. He just brings the bread. And so God sees the sacrifices and says to Cain. That he does not receive. He does not honor that sacrifice. But Abel on the other side. He said God honored the sacrifice of Abel. And so Cain is wroth. And God says to him. Why are you upset? Why are you upset? Don't you know that if you do well. That you will be accepted. Now, now watch this. If you do well you will be accepted. If you don't do well. Sin lies at the door. Now, he's not talking about sin. He's not telling Cain, if you don't sin, then I'll accept your sacrifice. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying to him is, if you do well or obey me, if you obey me, then I will receive that sacrifice. But you have not obeyed me. 
and so Cain is, he's wroth, he's upset, and he never gets over it. You know that he killed his brother Abel. Well, that didn't fix anything for him, but his life, he never did come to a place. It's like, it's like Esau, who never did really come to a place of repentance, because he never did obey God. It wasn't the animal. It wasn't the grain. It was the obedience that God was looking for in those boys. And so let me go to a, a next example, and that would be of Abraham and his son Isaac. This is the closest typology we can get to the Lord God sacrificing the only begotten. Now, Abraham, man of faith, he's the father of the faithful. And so God comes to him and says to him, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac. Well, he's got that other boy, but this is the promise. I want you to take the promised son, the only son that I promised you. And I want you to take him to a mountain where I will show you. And there you sacrifice him there, a sacrifice unto me. Well, we know we, we don't believe in human sacrifice. That's, this is not the way of God. Is not human sacrifice. Remember, a lamb, a lamb, a lamb, a lamb, a bull, something else, but not human sacrifice. But I want you to take him, and you go to the mountain that I showed you, and I want you there to sacrifice him unto me. Now, what do you see why we call Abraham the father of the faithful? He straps on his boots. He, he gets his servants with him. They load down the donkeys. And they head out to the mountain where God is showing him. See, the difference is what Abraham wants to do is he wants to obey God. God is not looking for human sacrifice of Isaac. That isn't it. And, and I wonder if in, in, in Abraham's mind, he's thinking, he's thinking, I don't understand this. I don't know why and how there's going to be a generation raised up to Isaac. How can it happen if I slay him on an altar? Surely God somehow. And, and before he goes up the mountain, remember, he tells Isaac, he says, God will provide for himself. So as he straps Isaac down and begins, raises the knife to slay the boy, God says, don't touch the boy. Don't touch the boy. Now. God said, now I know that you will withhold nothing from me. It's beautiful. It wasn't, he did one, Isaac, and, and, and C.T. Townsend sing this song. And it, if you haven't heard it, uh, when I lay my Isaac down, it's just, a, a perf it's just worded perfectly that God wasn't looking for Isaac. God was looking for Abraham. So he showed us. In, in Abraham, he explained to us that he wasn't looking for sacrifice. He was looking for obedience. Let me give you a third example. And this was close to David. And, and so I'm sure he knew about this. King Saul, David's predecessor, was ordered by God. Samuel tells him, God says, go down and wipe out Amalek. Yeah, we've got this thing in about genocide, and and there are people that say, well, God ordered genocide. Well, I'm going to tell you something. They were going to die anyway, and God was just giving them an early exit. They had they had uh, uh, burdened down the people when they came from from Egypt 
into the promised land and, and would not help them and would not feed them, would not water them and troubled them. And God said, I'm going to get back to you. And he did. And it come during Saul's time. And, and God says to Saul, you take the army, go down there and wipe them out. I want you to wipe them out. I want this. This is this is tough. I want you to wipe their children out. I want you to wipe their wives out, their infants out, and their livestock. I don't want anything. I want to erase them from the earth. Well, God can't do that. Oh, yes, he can. He's God and can do whatever he wants to do. Well, I don't see God that way. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God is righteous. And he hates the people that sacrifice their children. He hates the people that, that, that murder and and are, 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 are just ravaging awful people. God hates those kind of people, and, and he is going to bring judgment. But in this day, and, and Brother Josh did a good, uh, good word the other night when he said that we need to have mercy in our heart. Yes, we need to have mercy in our heart, but God is God, and he will decide what to do. Saul, go down and wipe out Amalek. And so Saul set off. He took his army. They, they did their job and came back and came to Samuel. And first thing Saul says, hey, I did what God told me to do. Samuel said, wait, 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 hang on. I hear what is the lowing of the cattle that I hear. What is the bleeding of the sheep that I hear? Saul said, oh, well, we wiped them out. He said, but the people... They wanted to bring the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen to give a sacrifice unto God. Do you think he wanted that sacrifice from those people? Absolutely not. That's why he said, you wipe out their oxen. Wipe out their... I don't want nothing to do with them. Their oxen, the best of their oxen and sheep, could not bring a sacrifice unto the Lord that would please him. And so now we have... Saul, who thinks he's done the will of God, and really in his heart, he did not obey God. Well, who's this guy you brought with? Oh, this is King Agag. I brought him. Why did you not kill him? Well, I just wanted to bring the chief of everything. And so, and then the Lord spoke and said this. He said, because you have not carried out my word because you have not obeyed me I have rejected you as king over Israel let's read the, the, the words of the Lord yet Jehovah hath Jehovah delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of Jehovah behold is better to obey than to sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. And let me say this about obedience and obedience to God. Obedience to God is principle. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Obedience is principle. Sacrifice is not principle. What you can do for Him is not principle. Obey, obeying His voice, being obedient to His voice is what God sets at the high water mark. It's not being able to read Bible and, and understand Scripture and try and do those that's going to bring the pleasure of God. I'm going to tell you the pleasure of God is strictly about our obedience to Him. I mean, there's a lot of people that feel like that they can please the Lord and, 
in the things that they do and and I'll make it better, I'll, I'll quit this and, and not do that. And, you know, we've got the holiness movement who who do do things and a lot of things they don't do and a lot of things they don't wear and a lot of things they are not thinking that's going to please God. I'm going to tell you what will please God is obedience is what's going to please God. Not a sacrifice of any kind of ourself. And so David knows this when he prepares this 40th Psalm. That God is not after sacrifices. That's crazy because he's in an age of sacrifice. He goes down to the temple to sacrifice. He's all about it. The priesthood is about sacrifice. But David understands, I heard something. I heard something and it said, God is not after sacrifice. But David speaks of another one yet to come who would be the ultimate servant sacrifice unto God. So I want to I want to just touch on last Sunday I said something that that I think you all know and believe but let me just recall that our quest as followers of Yeshua is to become like him. Can you say amen? That's our quest is to become like him. So there is something about him his characteristic that we've got to see first about him. He is holy, he is righteous. He is a whole lot of things, but there's one thing as concerning the man Christ Jesus that we've got to understand. He humbled himself and became obedient. He humbled and became obedient. He is first and foremost obedient. He can't do ministry unless he's obedient. He can't do the will of God. Lo, I come to do your will, O God. He can't do the will of God unless he is obedient. So I I want to go to the 10th chapter of Hebrews, and I want you to look at this with me as we kind of work down through a couple of verses here because this is pretty powerful. The um, fourth verse, it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. There's lots of folks want to go back to temple worship. They want to go back to a time of Old Testament. I just heard of one the other day. Man converted into being some kind of a some kind of a Hebrew. He wants to go back to doing the Hebrew thing. The blood of bulls and goats and sheep do not wash sin away. Flat out. Just just doesn't happen and so we can talk about the red heifer and the perfect red heifer they're going to bring out the perfect red forget the perfect red heifer from the red heifer to the beautiful sacrificial uh, lamb that that's given on passover they don't forgive sins it just doesn't happen number one Humanity and the animals are of two different species. Their blood is different. Now, I don't want to teach you this in school. They're trying to teach you that animals are equal with men. Animals are not equal with men. They are not related to men. My uncle is not a monkey. I'm not related to monkeys. Didn't develop from monkeys. God created monkeys. He created the animal kingdom. Then he created man separately. 
individually away from that. And so, and so I know we, we almost feel like that our little dogs and stuff, Heather's dog just got hurt, and so he's going to put her in surgery, and, and we have this feeling for our animals. They're almost like our little children. They're not children. They're animals. An animal cannot atone for the sin of a man. You can kill a million sheep and bleed them out. You can bring all their blood as sacrifice for your sin. It will never wash one sin away from your life. It never did in the Old Testament. It never washed their sin away. It showed an example of what was to come, but it did not in itself wash away the sin of man. Animals and humans are not the same. Secondly, animals were not responsible for the fall. Man is responsible for the fall. The blood of an animal cannot fix the fall of man. It just can't happen. And so for this reason, the next verse, and for this reason, coming into the world, he says, you're going to have to stretch with me a little bit here. This is not the habitable world that we find in the first chapter of Hebrews, where God is speaking over the Son today. I have begotten you. You are my Son. And when He entered into the habitable world, He said to all the angels, Worship Him. This is not that same word, habitable world, but this is the cosmos. And so it wasn't at the moment of His birth out of Miriam's womb that, that He said. No, He didn't say then. But rather, when He came into the world, he came into the world in John 17. He came into the world in John 3.16. He was already a man. He was already an adult. Then he went into the world. I don't know if you've ever heard this concept before, but you can read John 17, and there you will find the word world or cosmos, not the habitable world, but the cosmos 17 times in the 17th chapter of John, you will find it there 17 times because it's not talking about the earth. This is not when he came into the earth, he said, but rather when he gave himself into the system of Jewry. And when was that? He was 30 years old. Matthew said it and Luke both said it. At the age of 30, he went to baptism and from that moment, he gave himself to the messianic ministry to the Jewish world. And coming into the Jewish system and the Jewish world, he said. So I just wanted you to get that right. This isn't about when he was, a lot of folks like to talk about him coming out of heaven. And when he came out of heaven, he had, no, no, no. This, this is 30 years old. And he says something then because of this reason that there is no salvation in the blood of animals. He says, He says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but you prepared a body for me. This, this is what he said. It was recorded long ago, and David made mention of it, but but now repeating this, David didn't say you made a body for me, but the Lord himself says this. 
You made a body for me, and there's a reason why that that body is made. You prepared an exact fit. This word, artisman, it really has to do with the exact thing that you wanted is what you prepared for me. And you did not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as to sin. Now, I want to defunct something that the pleasure of God was to see Christ hanging on the tree. I want to defunct that. It turned away God's wrath. No, 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 no. didn't turn away God's wrath. Seeing his son on a tree, and then, then it just made him happy. No, no, I want to defunct that, because that's not the truth. Let me tell you where the pleasure of God was. The pleasure of God was in the obedience of the son. Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. This is, this is the, the, the absolute ultimate obedience that he could do. Is sacrifice that body that he was given and sacrifice it into that world. For God loved the world in this way, John 3.16. In this manner, he loved the world that he gave the only begotten son of him to the world. Not to the earth, to the cosmos, to the system. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Where did he come to? He came to the Jewish stuff. In fact, if you look at that scripture real close, it says he came to his own things. What is that? The temple. The priesthood. The sacrifices. The ongoings of Jewry that have been going on now for for thousand years has been going on and now he comes to that but he comes to that differently he will never sacrifice an animal did you know that about Jesus he never sacrificed an animal he wasn't there to do animal sacrifice he wasn't there to atone for men's sin and push them off one more year going into the holy of holies with with blood and sprinkling on the altar just push the sins of man off one more year. Oh, he wasn't there for that reason. He came to do the will of God and the will of God he would do. And if you go down to the next scriptures, it says that that body, he gave that body that God had given him, he gave that body to sanctify you and I. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, the Lord is going to deal with, and I'm, I'm glad that the Scripture gives us this because I have dealt with this myself, and we're going to talk about you and I for just a little bit. The Lord dealt with the human will. Even though He's already said, I come to do Thy will, O God, He will deal with the human will. We see Him in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the Garden of Gethsemane, He doesn't have a different plan. He doesn't have another way. He is merely saying by the physical man, he's saying, if there's another way, if there's another way, let it. If this cup, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass from me. But then he reroutes it and says, not my will but thy will. Because he didn't come to do his own will. He came to do the will 
of him who sent him. And, and I thank the Lord that they recorded this in Scripture for us because unlike many people who are really very, very pious, I face the man daily. I face my will daily. Well, you're, you're supposed to be, you know, above that now. And I was taught that when I was a kid. You get to a place in an elevation that you get on spiritual cruise control. Now you're good to go. You just stay right there. And what you do is you come in every Sunday and, and uh, you know, you just hit the altar one time. And, and you just stay right there on that plane. But, but then I found out that really I'm a human. And if you haven't found that out yet, you will. And there's this thing about your will that's innate in you that there's nothing you can do about. See, I'm going to put that dude under the blood. Yes, you do. And you do it every day. Because the one day that you don't, he's going to show up and he's going to run your life. Can you say amen? I'm glad that the Lord Jesus is on the day that he is ready and he is willing to say, not my will, but thine be done. We're not putting it off to another day. We're not going to a different cup, a different way. But whatever the will of God is, this is what I want to do. And I'm thinking about us. And if we want to become like Christ, we want to be Christ-like. But again, we want the power. We want the anointing. We want the ability to do miracles. We want to be able to just do signs and wonders. No, here's where it starts. You're never going to enter into that field until you understand that he humbled himself and became obedient. Until death, even the death of the cross. So even in the garden, here's the will going on. We have the will of man. We have the will of evil. And we have the will of God. When you talk about spirit that's in you, you have the spirit of man. You have the spirit of God who's trying to influence you. And you have the spirit of evil who's trying to influence you. And you better know which one it is. You better know which one is righteous. Which one is leading the right direction. And so this test comes to us. Who are we going to follow as Christians? And, and you know, just to, uh, by the way, sort of, you know, it's who we are. And so we just follow Jesus. But really there's a decision every day. And that's why... We preach for many, many years. If you desire, you're going to deny, and you're going to take up your cross and follow Him. When? Daily. And so, it's not one trip to the altar and we're good to go. No. I find the Lord praying. Why would the Lord have to pray? Because He's the man. He doesn't need to pray if He's the God. He needs to pray about the man. Because the man has to stay under control. Can you say amen right there? The man has to learn obedience. The man has to obey God. And that's the hard part. It's not, it's not confessing Christ. It's not coming to the altar. It's not going out and, you know, and, and testifying to somebody. It's the will of man where we struggle. My will. My will wants to take over. And at that time, I know that God's will needs to take over in my life. When it was all said and done, Jesus the man was perfect. 
and performed perfectly the will of God. Say, I want to be like Jesus. Well, there's a good place to start right there. Do the will of God in your life. Lord, help us all. No, it's kind of a little quiet. This isn't really a shouting sermon because I'm getting down into where we are and it makes us think a little bit. And so do we love the Lord? Yes, we love the Lord. Does he love us? Yes, he loves us. But at the same time, we're learning obedience to him. Can you say amen? We're learning obedience. We learn, we learn, oh, God, if I'd have just done it your way. Can you look back in your life and say, God, if I'd have done it your way, I could have saved myself a whole lot of sorrow, a whole lot of problems, a whole lot of procedure in my life. If I'd have just done it your way, because the flesh has its way and God has his way. Now, Brother Chris is teaching the other one. He's going to teach later on in, in a, uh, the next service. He's been teaching about the commandments of Jesus. And I believe in keeping his commandments, but I'm, I'm going to take it to, to a little different spin. I believe obeying him is better than doing the commandments. We can post the Ten Commandments on the wall and, and carry those out. We've done it in our courtrooms in this country for many, many years until they made them take them down. And we can... I thought about the Jewish man that he would write the commandments and laws of God on little pieces of paper and put them in that little phylactery thing on their head so that he could carry around with him the rules. And the law with him. And Jesus looked at them and said, With your lips you honor me, but your heart is far from me. And so trying to perform the things that Jesus said, and I, I've done this myself. I've, I've tried to perform them. You know, I'll tell you what, we get down into uh, the fifth chapter of Matthew and some of the things that he said there, the fifth and sixth chapter. I'm telling you, that's tough. That's tough. I don't like turning the other cheek. I don't like blessing those that curse me. I mean, there's a lot of things there that the Lord said, but, but listen, He's not giving us those things so that we can reenact what they did in the law. They couldn't even do the law. They could never perform the law. And God set it up that way. It wasn't for them to perform the law. It was for them to obey Him. And I think about us, if we can learn to obey Him, then His commandments come easy to us. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But if you love Him, it is that you will obey Him. Can you say amen? So loving Jesus is about obeying Him. Rather than trying to find His favor through our works. Trying to find his favor through our praise. I'm going to go in on a Sunday morning and I'm going to worship really hard. And then, then oh boy, you know, God is going to be so happy with me. And I'm going to read my Bible three or four times a week. And not only that, I'm going to have my prayer time. 
And so God's going to be happy with me. No, that's not going to make him happy at all. Every bit of that is sacrifice. He's not into your sacrifice. Well, I'll fast. I'll fast a week. I'll fast 40 days. I've heard of people that have fasted 40 days. They just felt like that was going to bring them close to God. It's not your sacrifice he's after. It's your obedience that he's after. It's your heart that says, Lord, I've messed up in this before. Please help me. Please be patient with me. God, I want to obey your voice. I know what you've said before and I haven't done it. And I know, Lord, that, but I love you, Lord. And, and I know I belong to you. But I need, Lord, I need to learn the obedience that you want in my life. And that's what God is looking for in us. As He's not looking for us to be perfect. He's not looking us never say a wrong word, never say anything that, that might offend us. He's not looking for that because He knows that if we begin to obey Him, that the good virtues that are in our heart from obeying Him are going to come to the outside. God's going to help us if we'll obey Him. I kind of had this picture in my mind of those of you who have raised children and are in the process of raising children right now. So that's almost, almost everybody. You tell them something to do, and they don't do it. They do the opposite of that. Makes you mad. For one thing, you're telling them that because it's a good thing for them. Tell them, don't play in the street. Let's just use that, right? Don't play in the street. You come home from work, and they're playing in the street. They got the basketball. They got the chalk stuff they wrote in the street, and they're out there going, I told you not to play in the street. No, it isn't just something so you could tell them, hey, a car can come up any minute and smash them. But I told you not to play in the street. So the girls were out there, well, what was it, nauseous, something they were, nauseous city. They're laying down on the street. Wow, that's almost suicide, you know. But you had told them, right, Chris? I think, which one was it, Riley? They're Riley and Hannah, they're out there playing nauseous street. They're out on the street. So now... It's spanking time, right? And so we spank them. So they haven't obeyed you. And you tell them again, don't play in the street. Especially don't lay down in the street. But you come home from work and they're out there in the street. But this time they come in and say, Daddy, I... I, I fixed you your, your, your favorite cookies. I baked these cookies for you. This is what we do to the Lord. Don't bring him a sacrifice. No, I don't want you to bake me cookies. I mean, I like cookies, yes. I want you not to play in the street. And so the Lord is trying to lead us. He's trying to lead us in. And, and we just do it anyway. And then we'll come back. But Lord, I'll come in. I'll praise you. I'll pray an extra five minutes today. He doesn't want that. What he wants is our obedience. Can you say amen? And so we go on with, with our life trying to appease God in other ways. 
And I'm going to tell you where his pleasure is when we just simply obey. We just obey him. We just love him. Obey him. I'm going to close here. Miriam, Jesus' mother, Yeshua's mother, said one of the most profound things that's recorded in Scripture. Now, Miriam wasn't a prophet. She was, at times, didn't really, she kind of doubted the Lord at times. And wasn't in the crew. She was on the outside looking in. But she said one of the most profound things, and I think it would do us well to hearken to these words. She told the servants at the wedding of Canaan, remember they came to her, and they said, we're out of wine, and she comes to Jesus. Jesus says, what? what have I got to do with this situation? What have I got to do with you about them being out of serving the wine at the wedding? She said a thing that it's just it's simple, but it's profound. She told those servants, whatever he says to you, do it. That was it. That caused one of the greatest miracles that the world even knows about. Most of the guys sitting in the bar drinking can tell you about, yeah, Jesus turned the water into wine. But it happened simply because of the advice that Mary gave to them. Whatever he says to you, do it. See, that's obedience. It's better than sacrifice. And so, Lord, you know, we have sacrificed certain things, and I'll give more to you, and, and I'll spend more time, you know, helping and doing and witnessing. And, and the Lord says, all I want you to do, you don't need to make things up. All I want you to do is obey me. That's it. That's it. Simple. The simplest form of Christianity is to obey Jesus. Everybody say amen. I thought that was really complex right there. No, it's not complex. Easy. Easy peasy. Just do what he says to do. I, for a long time in my life, I've, I've questioned some things. and Lord, why did you... Why did you put it this way? And oh. we, we were talking, and I'm just going to ramble for just a minute, and then we're going to be done. But we were talking uh, about some things, some certain things that happened in the church. And, and I thought back on that, and I thought, your scripture gives us a provision of what to do, and I did not do it. He was right all the time. All I have to do is what he said to do, and it works. Come on, say amen. It works. His way is the right way. You know, and since, since Rodney told this years ago, when we look at the Shema, and the Shema says, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, might, strength, 
and soul. And then love your neighbor as you would love yourself. On these two are all the commandments. Because if you love God, you're going to obey Him. But see, what we thought was that will offend people if we love God first instead of them. So we make exception for them. We bend the rules for them. We don't want to offend them. We don't want them to make them feel out of place. They come to our church and they're just living in sin. I don't want anybody to feel out of place. I'll never come back. No, we love God first. Because if His way is established in the house, and He, he is exalted above all, then He will draw all men to Him. And in that angle, at that angle, God will build His own church. Can you say amen? And so, Lord, we just, just pray with me right now. Lord, God, a lot of times in the past, you're so patient with us, Lord, and I thank you. Lord, a lot of times in the past, we don't, we don't take heed to your word sometimes. It's not that we don't love you, Lord. It's not that we don't care. It's just that we figure things ourselves. We begin to follow our own ways and our own wills. And Lord, we just ask you, God, just to deal with us right now on this. Lord, that we'll look at you and, and just agree in our heart that you're right. Agree, Lord, that your word is right. Agree, Lord, that what you say is going to bless and fix and help and elevate our life in every situation. And so we pray for that right now, Lord. If we have failed in the past, which I know we have, I have, this congregation, we have, all have, Lord, come short. But, Lord, I pray that we'll look to you to honor you, to follow you, Lord, and to obey you and become like you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen.